be successful and effective. We've been talking about for weeks now about all the teams that we're part of, and this morning just brings a, a new focus on another team that we're a part of. We know that we're, many of us are part of a marital team, we're part of a family team, or we're part of a church team, a work team, we're also part of a ministerial team, and for that, I'm grateful, and I want you to know this morning that God wants those ministry teams to be effective. Turn me down just a little bit more, brother, uh, to be effective and to be successful. Last week, Scripture revealed to us that change occurs. That change occurs as God works in us through His Word, through His Spirit, and even through our circumstances. But success doesn't come until we choose to work out what God's working in. Amen? Brother Chad mentioned it about our life groups meeting this morning. God works out what we're working in. What does that mean? That means I've made myself available for God to work in, and I'll work out what he's working in. Friend, I want to tell you today, we have the choice to choose what we think about. We have the choice to choose who we're going to depend upon, and we have the choice to choose how we're going to respond to circumstances. That being the case, I've got to share with you a downside. I've got to share with you a downside about being a part of all these teams that we're a part of. You ready for this? Here comes the downer. If just one part of the team fails to do its part, then the whole team suffers. If one part of the team fails to do its part, then the whole team is going to suffer. Uh, take this. If one of the spouses in a marriage chooses to be selfish, the whole marriage suffers. If just one part of our family chooses to be self-seeking, chooses to be controlling, or chooses to be irresponsible, guess what? Whole family suffers. If just a group of members decide they ain't going to worship, they're not going to pray, they're not going to serve, and they're not going to live for Jesus, the whole church suffers. If one part of the assembly line fails to accomplish what it was designed to produce, then the whole business suffers. That being the case, guess what we got to do? We've got to identify and get rid of anything that tries to rob us of success on our teams. Let's identify it. Let's get rid of it. But be aware of this. Are you listening? Say amen. Let's be aware of it. Let's get rid of it, but be aware of this. It always begins with you. You see something that needs to change in your marriage? It begins with you. Something needs to change in your family? It begins with you. Your church? It begins with you. Your workplace? It begins with you. A ministry? It begins with you. You've got to change first. I read where Lou Holtz, Coach Lou Holtz said, the man who complains about the way the ball bounces is usually the one who dropped it. <laughs> Amen? 
So let us begin with you. That reminds me of another story that I recently read about a baseball manager. This baseball manager decided that he was going to play a rookie out in right field, and the first string player did not like it one bit. As a result, he began voicing his disgust from the dugout. And then the rookie got so nervous out in right field that he started messing up big time. First ball that was hit to him was a ground ball, went right between his legs. The next ball that hit to him was a fly ball, it went right over his head. Kept on messing up. Every time that he messed up, you're not going to believe what that first string player kept doing. Just razzing him, voicing him his disgust. He shouldn't be out there. Get him out of there. Finally, in an effort to shut up that first string player, the baseball manager replaced the rookie with the veteran. Put him out in right field. And the very next hit was a fly ball hit deep to right. And the veteran went back, he went back, he went back, and you guessed it, it went right over his head. So the whole team got quiet at the end of the inning. They wanted to find out what this veteran had to say now. And when he got back, he was heading toward the dugout, and he took his baseball glove, and he slammed it down, and he said, that kid has got right field so messed up, nobody can play it. <laughs> Complaining. Complaining. One huge hurdle to success on all of our teams is complaining. Friends, complaining makes you unhappy. It makes everyone around you unhappy. It makes your teams unhappy. And can I tell you this? Complaining turns God's stomach. Because he knows how good he's been to you. Mark Twain said, don't complain and talk about all your problems because 80% of the people don't care and the other 20% think you deserve them. Uh-huh. See, the problem is, is that complaining is a hard habit to break. But it is a habit. People tend to focus on the bad things in life and maybe it's because that's all we hear. All we hear is bad news in the headlines. Maybe it's because we have this habit of complaining because we're so bombarded with what's wrong instead of what's right. And so that's all we can do is complain about what's wrong. But listen carefully. Regardless of what goes on in the world around you, God expects Christians to be different. Do you hear me, church? God expects you and I to be different from the world. And that even matters in this issue of complaining. So if you would, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, and let's see what the Apostle Paul has to say as he's writing from prison. Let's hear what he has to say in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. From prison, Paul writes to other believers... Do all things without complaining and disputing so that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So, complaining is a problem. We've already identified that. How do I deal with this problem, this habit of complaining? First of all, what you need to know is, is that complaining don't work. 
Complaining does not work. Complaining does not change a thing. Complaining makes you miserable and your team miserable. Complaining makes all those around you miserable. Can I tell you that complaining is draining? Have you been around those kind of people before? Listening to them complain and complain and complain. Man, it's just physically exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting if you continue to listen to them. So how does the Bible tell us to conquer complaining? We just read it says, do everything without complaining and disputing. How do I conquer my complaining? Well, first of all, you've got to admit it's a problem. First of all, you've got to look in the mirror and say, you know what? You've got a problem. You've got a complaining problem. You've got to admit that it's a problem for you, not for everybody else. You've got to admit that it's a problem for you. Proverbs 28, 13, the Bible says that a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. So admit that it's a problem. But often the most difficult part of learning how to handle this habit of complaining is recognizing it in the mirror. Because every mirror looks just a little bit different. You complain a little bit differently than I complain. And your friend complains a little bit different than you complain. We all complain a little bit differently. But I want to ask you this question. If somebody were to record your voice, every word you speak for one whole week, I want to ask you, friend, what would it reveal about the way you talk? That's almost scary, amen? Because I think we complain a lot more than we think we do. How much time do you spend griping? How much time do you spend grumping, complaining, arguing, sulking? In essence saying, you know what? Man, life just stinks. That's what you're saying, right? Complaining is not only a bad habit, friend. The Bible teaches that complaining is a serious sin. And it's a sin that we need to confess to God and change our mind about. We need to recognize that complaining is un, unacceptable. We've come to accept it as part of our culture and part of who we are. But friend, God says, no, complaining is not acceptable to one of my children. I will not accept that. Do you know why the children of Israel were never allowed to enter the promised land except for a handful of them? Because they incessantly complained over and over again. And it revealed their lack of belief in God. So, friend, if you find that you're not living an abundant Christian life that Jesus died for, could it be that you're a complainer? Jesus said, I came to bring life into life to the full. If you're not enjoying that life, could it be because you have a habit of complaining? So, the first step to conquer that complaining is to admit you got a problem. The second step is this. Accept responsibility for your own life. Many times we're busy doing this here. Pointing that finger. Amen. Pointing the finger at other people. Many times we're complaining and all that really is is just an attempt to blame somebody else. 
for my problems. Many times it's a, an effort to blame somebody else for a problem I've caused. I brought the problem into my life. I'm the one that caused it. But if I complain about it, just maybe I can shift all the focus onto Janet, and now it's not my problem, and I didn't do it. She did it. I think that's sometimes what we do when we complain. Try to shift the focus and let somebody else take the blame. You know, we, we reap what we sow. Everybody know that? We reap what we sow, and when I reap what I sow, there's no legitimate right that I have to complain. I did it. So I need to accept responsibility for my own life. I've read that there are three kinds of people in this world. There are accusers, there are excusers, and there are choosers. You know the accusers are the ones that are going around pointing and saying, it's her fault, it's his fault, it's their fault, it's their fault. They're the ones that, that are like Adam. Because see, when, when Adam sinned, he took it like a man, didn't he? When Adam sinned, what did he say? He said, she did it. He blamed his wife. Eve did it. And then he turned around and did it again. And he said, you did it. You're the one that sent her to me. Boy, what a man he is, amen. That's what an accuser does, points a finger at somebody else. But here's what an excuser does. An excuser says, you know what? I'm just a product of my environment. It's how I grew up. It's who I am. I'm just a human being. I sin. They're they're just saying, it's not really my fault. I'm just a product of my environment. But the people that make up really successful teams, marriage teams, family teams, church teams, ministerial teams, the ones that are really successful, they're neither an accuser or an excuser. They're a chooser. They're a chooser because they choose to reap what they sow. But in knowing that, they also choose to accept responsibility for what they have sown. And so they'll just take it. They'll accept responsibility for it. But there's a third way. There's a third way that we can conquer our complaining, and that is to develop an attitude of gratitude. Develop an attitude of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, the Bible tells us, in everything, give thanks. In everything. God says, I want you to be thankful in all your circumstances. He doesn't say for all circumstances. He says, in the midst of all your circumstances. I can't be thankful for all my circumstances. When I'm sick, I'm not thankful for that creeping crud that I got. Amen? I'm not thankful for that circumstance. But I can be thankful in that situation, regardless of what's transpiring. You know, you see, God's purpose for my life, God's purpose for your life, is greater than any problem you may be going through. He's got a purpose that's greater than any of those circumstances, greater than any of those problems, greater than any of those situations. And in all those situations, you can give thanks, not for, but in those circumstances. Philippians 4.11, the Bible says, Paul wrote, For I have learned, it's a learning process, amen, I have learned that whatever state I'm in, whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever state I'm in, to be content. To be content. Remember, Paul wrote this in prison. He was not thankful for that circumstance. He wasn't thankful for prison. 
It reminds me of CIA on Wednesdays. We've been teaching our children that circumstances do not dictate if I'm going to be joyful. Likewise, situations and circumstances do not dictate whether I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be thankful no matter what's going on. Because God's purpose is far greater than any of my problems. We can choose to be joyful. We can choose to be thankful in every circumstance. But here's another way that you can conquer your complaining. And that is, look for God's hand in the midst of your circumstances. Now, this is a good one. Friend, if you want victory over your complaining problem, over your complaining habit, just look at what God might be doing in the midst of your circumstances. What's God up to? What might he be doing right here in the midst of these circumstances? Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, For our light affliction, our easy problem, our light affliction is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, we look at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, friend, they are eternal. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means your problem is very temporary in light of how long eternity is. You have a temporary problem. You know, God is working out these things for good for you. And what you're going to get out of your problems will last far longer than the problem itself will last. You see, that's the biggest heartbreaking problem about suicide. The person who contemplates that, who, who takes his or her own life, they, they have come to the point where they choose a permanent solution for a temporary problem. And it's so sad that people reach that point, but many do. So your problem is temporary in light of how long you're going to live in eternity. But here's something else I want to point out. When I complain about my circumstances that are beyond my control, here's what I'm really saying. What I'm really saying is, you know what? If I were God, if I were God, things would be different. Here's what you're really saying when you complain. If I were in charge, man, things would be much better. You know who else said that one time? Satan said that one time in heaven. He was trying to usurp the power of God. He was trying to say, if I were God. He was trying to say, if I were in charge, things would be different. And God cast him out. And we know the end of the story, he also cast him down. So friends, when you complain, it's rebellion. And it's likened to the same rebellion that Satan did. It's rebellion. And God says, don't do it. Complaining is serious. Don't do it. So that being the case, I want to remind you that when you complain, you're basically doing three things. When you complain you're beginning to question God's wisdom. You're beginning to say, God, do you really know what you're doing? What you're really saying when you complain is, God, do you really see what's going on here? Do you see what I'm going through? 
you are questioning God's wisdom. But when you complain, you are also doubting God's care. You're saying, God, do you really love me? God, do you really care about me? That's what you're doing when you're complaining. You're questioning his wisdom and you're doubting his care. But when you complain, you're also forgetting God's goodness in your life. Consider this, friend. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. Amen? When you start doing that, things change. Focus on what you do have, not on what you don't have. Because when you do, you become ungrateful. All you can focus on is what you don't have. So let's stop complaining and let's start changing. Amen? Let's be more effective in the kingdom of God. But there's a fifth and final way that you can conquer your complaining, and that is this. Practice speaking positively. Practice positive speaking. Notice what it says there at the end after verse 15 and verse 16. Paul wrote, holding fast to the word of life so that I may rejoice. Rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. For that same reason, you also ought to be glad and rejoice with me. Friend, we ought to start practicing our speaking with a positive note. Practice that. See, complaining ain't nothing but a habit, a bad habit. And habits are broken only when they're replaced by something else. Do y'all hear that? Habits are broken when they're replaced with something else. So remove the negative complaining and replace it with positive speaking. That's the way you break this habit of complaining. Do you know that the Bible says that we will be giving an account of how we speak? Jesus himself said, but I say to you, that for every idle word that men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Let me bring that into the 21st century for you. I say to you that every idle word that you may text, you will give account of it. Every idle word that you post, you will give an account of it. Friend, we need to start practicing speaking with a positive note. And not with a negative note. Ephesians 4.29, to summarize, Paul basically says, don't let no junk come out of your mouth. Don't let no junk get sent by your phone. Don't let no junk come out of your mouth, but only that that helps people and builds people up. That's what you let come out of your mouth. Mama said, if you can't say something nice, then if you can't say something nice, then don't say it at all. We need to learn to taste our words before we spit them out. Amen? Won't you chew on them a few minutes before you let them come out and cause harm? But I asked this question after some study on this passage, and I said, well, what can I expect to happen if I stop my complaining? What kind of results can I expect when I choose not to complain? Well, verse 13 says, do everything without complaining or arguing. And then, immediately following, he gives us three results of what happened when you don't do that. 
He says, so that you may become blameless. Blameless. That means when you don't complain, nobody can find fault with you. When you don't complain, nobody can point a finger at you. You're being blameless. But he goes on to say, so, when you, so that you may also become harmless. So that you don't cause harm. So that you stay pure. The Greek word says, so that you have integrity. That's the problem with a lot of believers these days. Is we don't have any integrity. Or we're at least lacking in integrity. See, often people who constantly complain lack integrity. But he goes on to say, not only that you may become blameless and harmless, but so that you may become children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you will get this, shine as lights in the world. Shine as lights in the world. When believers choose not to be a complainer, when believers choose not to be critical, when believers choose not to be put-down people, guess what? They shine. They shine like lights in the world. A Christian with that attitude of contentment, man, he's a great witness. But that Christian with the habit of complaining, man, he's a bad witness. So, what kind of impact are you making on the world? What kind of light are you shining out there in the world? Wouldn't it be great if our church had this reputation? Man, that Bethel place, that's where all them positive people go. That church up there in the cornfield up there in northeast Lauderdale County, you know that's the, that's the one where you never hear them moaning and groaning. That's the church where you never hear them grumbling, you never hear them complaining. Man, people are looking for something different. Man, they can find all the complaints and all the complaining they want out there in the world. But man, when they come here, let them find a spirit of contentment, a spirit of being joyful, and a spirit of being thankful. Consider this. Every time you share a smile, every single time you shake somebody's hand, every time that you say, man, I am so glad you are here, every single time that you give somebody a hug, you know what you're really saying? Things are different up in here. Amen. Things are different here. This is a positive place because this is a God's place. This is a Jesus place. And the thing is, it's our choice. This is our team. But it always begins with you. And if you do all those things, guess what you're doing? You're making a difference. If you give the hug, if you shake the hand, if you say, man, I'm so glad you're here, you're making an impact. You're making a difference. You're shining like a star out there in a dark world. They need to see that it's different here. That it's different. For it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Friend, it is his good pleasure that visitors come into this place to see a place of speaking positively without complaining. 
So, the number one way to increase success on all of our teams, your marriage team, your family team, your church team, your work team, your ministerial team, the number one way to increase success, it's a cakewalk. Stop complaining. Stop complaining. Complaining is a choice. It's a choice. A choice to please God by not doing it. Now there's something else you get to do today. You get another choice to make. And that is, you may say, Brother Bill, I've tried not complaining. But I can't get past it. Well, I want you to look inward. Look in the mirror of your spirit and say, you know, do I really have a relationship with Jesus? Because you can't do this in the flesh. Humanly speaking, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? Amen. And so my prayer for you today is, is that if you're having issues with complaining, one of two things need to happen. Either you need to get saved or you need to repent. Either you need a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, or if you're a believer, you need to turn away from that behavior. Paul said, do everything without complaining. So I pray that today, if your choice is that you want to have a relationship with God that only comes through Jesus Christ, you can place your faith and your trust in his death, burial, and resurrection, and you can be saved today and have power from within to stop the complaining. But it's your choice. So let me pray with you that your choice will be right. Father God, thank you so much for instruction, for guidance, for help, Lord, to live a life that honors you. Lord, as you have spoken to my heart all week long about this message, Father, I was reminded how often I do complain. And so, Lord, I pray for forgiveness of that right now. And I pray, Lord, for a spirit of repentance that every single...